this is the first time using uh, a beat headset on a PC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just gonna. This is the first time that I've used this application, so I'm not sure how it's gonna work. So normally I just use Zoom or Skype. Uh -huh. Easier, but then Zoom have announced like, uh, like it kicks you out after forty minutes. So sometimes, like if you're talking to somebody, and it goes on after forty minutes, you just have to like the conversation ends and you've got to rejoin. So it's a hassle. So. Fifty minutes. I think it's 40, 40 oh, minutes. 40. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, but it's like they never had it and then they introduced it this year, but it just seems like, I don't know, it seems stupid. That's weird. Because, yeah. Anyway, how have you been, man? What have you, what have you been up to? How was your, your trip? You said you seen your family? Yeah, I, I told you I was going to Sweden, right, to see my, mm -hmm. uh, my family. But then uh, things happened with them and uh, here. So as you saw, I landed up in uh, Budapest in uh, mm -hmm. Hungary. You see that? Yes, I saw that. So that was uh, plan B, you can say almost. Mm -hmm. So it was very spontaneous, me and my friends. We saw cheap flights from here. And uh, yeah, we we just said, let's go. We never, anyone, uh, me and my friends, we had not been, never been to Hungary before. So we mm -hmm. thought that would be cool to see that place. It was very and, cool. Yeah, and how long uh, did you spend in Budapest for? I think it was five, four days, eh? maybe. Yeah. All right. That, that's the uh, duration. All right. Okay. And it, so you said it's, you've got the family in, in Sweden, it is. And you're based in Norway. Norway. Sorry. Norway. Okay. So uh, is that family that's moved from Iraq to, they've moved from Iraq to Sweden, or is it different? Family? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's actually my aunt, my father's sister, who lives there. She moved. Uh, uh, to Sweden from Iraq uh, after us. Right, okay. And yeah, I'm just trying to, because I've got to like retrace my memory because it feels like when, when I met you, it was just like when you meet people, like that, you just kind of send all your information to them and you're like, oh, yeah. God, I, I, I'm like, right, okay, he's from Iraq, but when did he move? It's like trying to remember. So it was like, what year was it? Was it 2008? Uh, 2008, yeah, in April yeah. 2008. Okay, so. And how come, how come you decided on, no, well, you didn't decide on Norway, but you, your family decided on Norway? Yeah, uh, uh, my dad decided Norway first. He had to come here first. And back then, I don't know the rules right now, but back then you had to work uh, three years uh, to get allowance to bring your family to Norway. He chose Norway because at that time, Norway was the country who gave refuge to Iraqis at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, because look, every refuge, they ask around before they leave the country. They ask around uh, which country in Europe gives refuge. You know, because not mm -hmm. every country have the same rules. You can say. So Norway at the time we gave refuge to Iraqis. So my dad said, uh, Norway it is. <laughs> so he went to Norway in uh, two thousand and five. Yeah, and he worked three years, and he could bring us in two thousand eight mm. to Norway. Okay, so how did you get the the question I have is obviously because I, I know uh, some information about Iraq. Obviously, there was a war going on. Is how did you get from Iraq to Norway? Was it just as simple as getting a flight out of the country? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, you know yeah, what yeah. was going on with airports. <laughs> so. You know, since my dad worked, uh, he was a refuge. We we didn't have to go uh, through the same process as him. We didn't have to live in a refuge camp and stuff like that. So we got relatively easy access into Norway because we got legally in. My dad mm -hmm. had to 
almost uh, seek refuge we got legally into Norway because we had, as, as I told you, my father worked here. Uh, but it had it was it was that easy. We had I remember as a kid we traveled a lot to Syria actually, because I think mm-hmm. there's an embassy in Syria, but not in Iraq, something uh, like that. So uh, okay. uh, my uh, younger age, when I was younger, we moved between Iraq and Syria a lot because we had to fix our papers and stuff like that. And um, it was actually just a plane. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, when the papers got ready and everything was fine, we just uh, took a plane to Norway and uh, we settled in, in my dad's apartment. So we didn't have to go through what he did, had to go through the refuge camp and stuff like that. And how was it when you were traveling from uh, Iraq to Syria? Would that just be by car or by uh, you know, uh, transport? I, this part I don't quite remember so well, but it was by plane sometimes, and it was I think mostly plane. I never drove to Syria because the, the, this area between Syria and Iraq it's kind of a little dangerous to drive uh, mm-hmm. uh, through. Back then I don't know what it's calmer now, but back then it was kind of risky to do that. So we flew almost all the time from Iraq oh, to Syria. Okay. Okay. It's like yeah, well, that... yeah. Go on. It's like from Dublin to London. It's not that far, you know. Yeah, well, this was my thought process when you were telling me. I was like, so how did he get there? Because I know that there was, there was obviously the war going on. I can't imagine you just walking through a, a war zone and uh, just kind of doing that. I thought that would be a, a different way to do it. You know, when you know, then 2007, 2008, we were, get, we were getting ready to move. It wasn't directly war. The war was more intense in the early 20s, uh, 2000, mm-hmm. I mean, 2001, 3, 4. Uh, that, that was when the war was really bad then in 2007 6 8 it was kind of the aftermath of the war you know when the you know after after a war it's chaos you know it's almost anarchy yeah. uh, you have a lot of kidnappings a lot of uh, internal conflicts it's very unstable right but it was direct war at that time like uh, you have someone who fought against another it was more like small internal conflicts but of course you mm-hmm. still had like those who still uh, uh, fought against uh, Americans, but it wasn't that uh, intense as in the beginnings in 2003, especially. Okay. And it was conflicts, but not directly a war, you can say. Yeah, and you said, I remember you saying that you visited recently or over the past year, you went went back to Iraq. What, what's in the... 2001, <laughs> I almost forgot. In 2001 summer, I was there. Yeah. To last year, 2021? Did you say? Yeah. Or did oh, I say what? something else to you? You said, uh, no, no, it's just when you said, I thought you said 2001. I was like, what? That was ages ago. Oh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, 2021, what? I thought. 2021. All right, okay. So, and when you grew up in Iraq, was it, were you in the cap? Were you in Baghdad? Or were you in like a smaller area of the country? What area no, were I was. Located in? Yeah, no, I was born and raised in Iraq, and I lived in Iraq all my life, actually. Uh, besides uh, traveling between Iraq and Syria, I have only lived in uh, Baghdad, in the capital, yeah. Born and raised. Okay. And so what is, uh, obviously, when you've spoke about going back to Baghdad now, it, it, kind of, it did surprise me a little bit. I mean, I have seen a few people on YouTube who've traveled to Iraq and promoting to go and say it's much safer than it used to be. Obviously, it's not as much of a war going on so uh, it, what's the big differences that you've noticed now when you went back to Baghdad compared to when you left uh, 
you know, for me, it will be a, a kind of different from uh, others because, you know, I am born, I am like, I'm used to this, uh, this country. So the biggest difference, I, I, um, I don't think it's safety because, you know, I, as I said, in, if you are Iraqi, you are more, uh, it's more normal for you. It's not that uh, dangerous for you when you are Iraqi as, uh, as if you are a foreigner. But the thing that surprised me most, maybe I would say, it's um, kind of the cultural stuff, the religious stuff and stuff like that. It's got much more, uh, uh, rebel, <laughs> more liberal, you can say. You see, uh, yeah, you see, for example, alcohol is starting to be normalized. It wasn't, for example, 20 in the earth. When, when I lived there, it was not heard of <laughs> alcohol. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, and you see how people dress. You see that they move forward, you can almost say. That's the biggest difference I notice. Yeah, well, with, with the, the job that I've been doing recently, it's been like online teaching, and I've been speaking to a lot of Saudis that they tend to be doing the English learning for the business work. That's what they, what they want to be doing, and just improving their English. So I chat to them a lot and I speak to them about their culture, what it's like, and obviously two different countries. Uh, but what I've noticed is like when I'm, when I'm speaking to people from like the, the Middle East now, there's, it seems to be quite a movement of uh, similar to what you're saying, similar to what you're saying in Iraq, they're having the same sort of changes in Saudi Arabia. So they've got like alcohols becoming a bit more uh, acceptable. So, it's, you can't you can't drink in Saudi, but no. uh, they were saying that they know people who maybe they go on holiday and when they're on holiday they'll drink and it's like people know that they do it and it's it's just got, it's becoming a bit more culturally acceptable. Uh, obviously, you still can't in the state, but that there's changes that are happening. And so you went back in two thousand and twenty one, so that was last summer, and. Did you go back with with your family, or do you, do you have family that still live in uh, yeah. Iraq? Yeah, I have uh, actually a very huge family from both sides, my mother's and my father's mm -hmm. side, who still lives in Iraq. You know, besides my aunt in Sweden, uh, mm -hmm. I have, and I actually I have an uncle, my father's brother in uh, the states, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so besides that, all my family is in Iraq, and we have a very big family. And yeah, me and my family went there in twenty twenty one. It was. It's almost is every time it's uh, so funny to meet them because every it's I don't I don't go there every year obviously mm -hmm. so every time you go there you see people have grown up and you're uh, as I told you they are big families so you have many uh, many uh, kids in the family you see them have grown <laughs> up and so so funny yeah and the the uh, the natural environment is much different compared to Norway. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it's so I, hot I, there. yeah i can't imagine you like where you sat right now obviously looks lovely but it looks a bit more yeah like, actually uh, it's sun today not in norway it's, the, it's like the second day we have sun the whole summer has been shit almost rain every day so mm -hmm. i have to get get some vitamins out of the sun yeah well right. to be honest today uh, in prague it's been like the first day in weeks where it's been raining so I'm just like it's, it's quite grim here today. Oh, but like it's been it's been like thirty degrees plus for the past two or three weeks. So it's just yeah. Been... Have you noticed uh, the heat wave in the Czech Republic? 
Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, oh. I was back in I was back in the UK for a little bit to do a hike, but when when I came back to Prague, like everyone was complaining in the UK because it was like thirty to forty degrees across the country, and then when I flew back to Prague, it was thirty degrees for the next two weeks. I was like, <laughs> oh fuck's sake! <laughs> I mean, I'm not I escaping can... it. I can almost understand the uh, the Czech Republic, but uh, London. I mean, England. I never thought it could come up mm-hmm. over thirty. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, well, in York, which is like northern England, uh, it was forty degrees, which is wow. just <laughs> yeah, it's just unheard of. But so I reckon in like in like ten years or something, when you know climate change really kicks in, it's, UK is going to be like a tropical island. <laughs> We're gonna be really if there is, will be UK, you know, when the when the <laughs> water rise. Or <laughs> yeah. oh, actually, UK is maybe. Uh, it's maybe high, the heights very high or above the sea level, but I don't know. No, actually, I uh, I just when you talked about the sodas and drinking, mm-hmm. I just uh, a thought came to my mind when I was in Georgia. I told you I was in Georgia before I came to Serbia. Uh, I met a taxi driver there, and we talked a lot where I came from and who visits Georgia mm-hmm. and who is not. And he told me about the Saudis, and he said what you said. You know, they go out out mm-hmm. of the country and they start pouring in that champagne <laughs> and vodka <laughs> so yeah that's that's true what you said so have you got any more plans uh, in the future to be traveling again obviously we met in serbia uh, and then i departed where, where did you go after we met i can't remember we did belgrade and then i had to go where did, where did you travel to after that uh after the after i met you after you left mm-hmm. i had a walk tour by myself actually I walked uh, mm-hmm. around uh, Belgrade. I wanted to see some ruins and some stuff like that. Uh, and I don't know, I, w- I wasn't that m- uh, many days after you I left. I think it was two days after I left. And uh, I spent actually some time also in the hostel. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they, I said, I, w- I want to sit down with you. I said, what, where have you been? Because it's probably it's like you know, unheard of if you stay in a hostel and you don't stay with the <laughs> sit down with the others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I spent some time with them. And yeah, I, I didn't do anything special, you know, just some sightseeing by myself, actually. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it was quite a... I always have this when I go to hostels. I just end up speaking to someone, and then it's like I end up on an adventure with them, and that's what it was like with me and you, wasn't it? We just yeah. we just started speaking, and I was like, well, I'm going to go here if you want to go, and then we just ended up going. So what I always ask people is when I do this, this podcast is to explain how... Uh, we met so from your perspective do you want to share the story of how we know each other yeah uh, so we i stayed in a private room uh, in the hostel that great and you were supposed to stay at the dorm right mm-hmm. and they it was some problems i heard and uh, they upgraded you to luckily yeah. <laughs> to come up with me <laughs> it was two private room at the mm-hmm. same flat and i actually i remember it so well because I don't know why, but it was so weird. I remember so well. Uh, I just came out the bathroom and I saw you were sitting there at the, area, at the common area, sat the sofa, and uh, yeah, we, we said hi, where are you from, and the, all the basic. And you just told me, yeah, I'm going to a match. And I, and I told you, I am not the, that big of a football fan. I just like football because of the the atmosphere, you know. I like when the the people are really into it in the yeah. matches. <laughs> So you told me there's a very big match going on. Do you want to join? And I said, yeah, of course. And um, yeah. And what, what did you reckon of it? 
in the in the end it would, did it meet your expectations obviously I, i'm quite similar to you it's like i'm probably a bit more interested in football but the the reason that i'll go to matches is just to experience the atmosphere and like that's that's a game that i wanted to go to for years so uh, for myself it did meet like the expectations but i was surprised that uh, our friend uh, who came to the match with us was yeah, saying Nicola. that it wasn't even yeah sorry i forgot yeah, i forgot the <laughs> name um he was saying it wasn't even that good of an atmosphere. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> well, yeah, same for me. I mean, as I tell my friends here, like only the guy who's standing behind me made more noise than the <laughs> entire stadium in my in my city here. <laughs> so it was uh, it was definitely uh, it met my expectation. Yeah, and especially before the match, if you remember that it, how crazy it was for me and you when we walking alone <laughs> to the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty fun, actually. Yeah, well, I just I can't believe. So we went to the Partizan Stadium and we were just like walking around. But even when you were walking to the stadium, just police were everywhere, just stood like in random parts of the city. You go across a bridge and there'd be even more police. Yeah, it and was then, crazy. Uh, how much police yeah. was it? I mean, <laughs> like they take it seriously here in Czech Republic. When I went to I went to the derby here in Prague, and they have like a police escort and there's a helicopter and stuff. But just the sheer police presence that there was at that game was just, I don't know, it was uncomparable to <laughs> yeah. anything else have been. And anyway, when you went down, when you walked down to the, uh, where all like the ultras were, and then we got to go in the stadium. I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Like the fact we just could go into the stadium and walk around, it was nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I was like very unsure about this. I told, I was like, man, are you sure that these people seem like not the friendliest people, you know? And uh, but you asked, and I actually also got surprised when they said, yeah, sure. And they were so friendly. Like we walked in, like <laughs> nobody checking us or anything. We just walked yeah, in yeah. and walked around the stadium. It was so fun. I'm very glad you asked because if not, I mean, yeah, if not, we not have seen that. We couldn't have seen the stadium. Yeah, it was it was a bit intense. So once I kind of left, when we left, and then like the the police were like, "You need." Well, I, don't, I couldn't understand what they were saying, but they basically just pointed us to get get out yeah. of the way. And then <laughs> and then they had like the the escort, and they were throwing flares over the fence at the Red Star fans. I was like, "All right, it's kicking off." And it was uh, actually just me and you. And I remember there was an old woman. I don't remember, but it was actually just me and you who, who was mm-hmm. the only left who was walking to the stadium. <laughs> I remember so well. It was me and you, the police, and the whole hooligans uh, behind yeah, there, yeah. working <laughs> up. <laughs> but it was good. It was. I think it was. I, so I've had like a few places where I've been to, and it's been like one of the few of the best places I've been to. I'd say that trip, even though it was small trip to Belgrade, was probably one of the best I've had just because of the experience we had of going to the game, and then we went to that restaurant after it. I thought it, I thought it was good. I thought it was great to be honest. Uh, to be honest, I am. Um... I stand fully behind you on that one. You know, I, I, I always have this thing when I travel. I, I say I don't, I don't quite want to visit the same place twice, you know, besides mm-hmm. my own country, of course. But like, uh, because I want to see the world, you know, as, uh, as someone as young and still have the health and the money and to do it. So, mm-hmm. but Serbia, actually, I am very, I imagine myself going there uh, more than two times, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it was just... very good. Yeah. It, it... It was just surprising, to be honest. Just I wasn't expecting that type of experience. And then when they were just driving us around, and like got yeah. in the car, everyone everyone was really friendly. With yeah. Us, so I, yeah, I yeah. thought it was great. Um, and 
to, what, have you got any ideas of what you want to be doing like in the future? Any places you want to go to? Well, no, I am. Uh, you know, when like we came back, uh, when I, when we came back from our trip to Serbia in late May, we sat we sat down and talked about this podcast. And you know, I still I I'm, I will apologize, but you know, I still push it push it further further because uh, it was in the May and June. It's like an exam period in Norway, mm-hmm. and uh, right after the exam, I I started to work at the bakery. And, you know, bakery is man, it's a very heavy job here in my city. Uh, but uh, I had to sit down and make this podcast finally. But yeah, uh, my plans is that. Um, I will now in two weeks. I will be moving to the mm-hmm. east of Norway. To the I got accepted into law actually. All right, nice. So I will start to studying law, and uh, you know, as a student, it's, it's not that best. Uh, you're not in the best economic situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think I will save up and take a trip in December. Uh, okay. And most, I and it, and it's either it will be Caribbean. Maybe Dominican Republic or something uh, there, or it will be Africa, because you know. Okay. To be honest with you, I, I when I went to Tanzania and Africa, I really, really loved it. It was something mm-hmm. else. So yeah, that's the plan. Like uh, save up some money while I'm studying, and uh, in December when I have this month, almost a month, little over a month uh, uh, break, I will uh, mm-hmm. make a trip to warmer uh, place on the earth. <laughs> what yeah, about you? Well, I'll just say, you don't have to worry about back pushing the podcast. The amount of times that like I've, I speak to people and we just have to keep arranging it for a different date, it's fine. That's a, The last person I had on was a, a guy I met who I give a, I give a lift to uh, his radio station. He was a DJ, uh, and then we just kept pushing it back. But it, it's fine, don't worry about it. Um, I, yeah, bakery, though, is that early hours? Like early hours, you've got to start and... Yeah, you know it's it's, it's shifts. It's the it's, it depends on your shifts. What shift do you have? But uh, um, my my uh, in the beginning of the summer, my shifts was kind of early, so I just uh, get up early and uh, work some hours and get back home. And when I, usually when I get back home, I just pass out. <laughs> <laughs> I hate like being up and and fight against that tiredness. Tiredness. I just you know fuck it. Let's just get some sleep one hour and get up. <laughs> So that was, yeah. How early are you starting? Like, I imagine it's because if you're kickstarting up a bakery, it's got to be like early. I mean, I mean, uh, those who start very early, those that are the who do the uh, bakery stuff. I am, all, mm-hmm. I am like a helper. So I'm. Some days I start uh, six, some days I start seven. But uh, yeah, still for me, it's still fucking early for me. <laughs> <laughs> But now I have. Uh, no, after I came back from Budapest, it was uh, I had I got a I got a bad shift now, but that's that's not that early. It's like from eight to four. It's it's good, but yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So my plans are my plans have changed a little bit now. So, uh, I've, obviously I was doing the online English teaching, which was it was all right. You know, just bringing some money in, uh, just to have something coming in while you're traveling around. But a lot of the time, I, I just ended up going into my savings most of the time anyway, because I was like, uh, like, why not? I was like, I've got the savings, so I might as well go into it. And then uh, I'd just top up on the English teaching. Uh, but now I've got a new job in the UK, which I'm waiting to get a start date for. 
but it should be within August. Um, and then it's it's got benefits like hybrid and a, a good salary, to be honest. But what my plan in the long term is to get into like, the tech industry. So at the moment, I'm doing like a, a Google data analytics course, and I'm also doing a free Harvard University computer science course, which is really oh, good, wow. to be honest. You get um, a, like a, a weekly lecture. It's all pre-recorded, so you can go at your own pace. Then you get a like a weekly challenge you can do. Uh, and then the last final project is uh, like you do these weekly challenges and like slowly build your way up to either building a website or building an app, which I think is great experience. So that's my goal, but it's going to be like six months of just grafting, <laughs> just like putting my head down and not much traveling. I mean, because I'm going to be back in the UK for a little bit, um, I'll be, well, for a while I'll, I'll be just on my weekends, probably go into somewhere in the UK I'm, I'm going to be getting my head down a bit which I guess is a shame but I, it's probably going to pay off in the long term because I want to be in a position where I can get like a permanent remote job so I can just keep traveling around and uh, working remotely and that seems to be available with like programming and tech skills so that's where that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. Wow good for you that sounds very nice that's mm-hmm. a very nice yeah remotely job is I wish I could have a remote job and <laughs> travel around work and work for me or whatever. But yeah, I, I cheer on you, man. I hope you make it. That sounds really nice. Me too. I mean, that, that's the goal. It's not the easiest goal, but, but uh, <laughs> I'd rather do like the benefits you get from that is uh, suitable to my lifestyle. Now it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a hard work, but I'll just, I'll just have to graph for a little bit. I mean, the, the lazy boy in me just wants to go oh, I'll just stick to the English teaching but it's it's not the best for my lifestyle like pay wise you can struggle to earn enough to just you know keep going so I'm hoping that this job will give me like the, the experience to get me into the next position mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so no, I think you'll if, if the people who are employing me watching because we did talk about the podcast then I'm going to stay with you forever. <laughs> They're going to be looking at this going, I'm going to make sure we give this guy a job. He's saying he's going to be leaving. <laughs> that's good. That's good. But uh, so so you will be moving alone or are you with your girlfriend? Uh, so my girlfriend's starting her master's course in September, but she's in two minds. So she's like, does she want to come to the UK and work for a year or two years? Or does she want to just, do a master's course here like so in the czech republic the uni is free so if she does a master's it's going to be two years so she would finish it in may 2024 but she might potentially come to the uk uh where we would live uh, in in my hometown and then get a job like marketing or something but there's just like visa stuff that is irritating oh, that's like, right. she, yeah, if she comes to the UK, we've got to get her a visa. I, I thought my visa was expiring here in September, but it turns out it could be given for five years. It's just a lot of complicated bureaucracy stuff that just is too irritating for my monkey brain. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I just want to do things. I don't want to think about all this complicated stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, because I remember you told you were talking about uh, you and her was talking about if you will not move or not move and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so I was wondering what will be uh, what you will do, be doing. 
Yeah, well, that, that's probably the... So, technically, the plan now is maybe go to the UK for a year or two years. Um, I would then just, with the job that I'm doing now, stay in that job. Uh, but what I've got now is a six-month contract. So, it's just covering for somebody who's on maternity leave. So, that, that's what I'm going to be doing. And then, potentially, I could stay on. Um, but, obviously, it, because it's a six-month contract, I'm thinking about like what I'm going to be doing after it. And that's why I'm doing these courses to potentially get me into a better tech role mm-hmm, in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if my girlfriend does come to the UK, then I would probably, I'm just going to stay, would like to stay with that company because it's, it's a good company and everything. So that's fine by me. But we're just, it's one of them, it's like we're in a bit of a, uh, I don't know how to say it, crossroads. We say crossroads, mm-hmm. it's like, we could do this, we could do that. It's just like waiting on, on what's going to happen. So it's, it's a little bit out of my control. So there will be no uh, travels on your side? Not, not, yeah, not in the near future. Maybe a holiday. As I, I will get holidays during this, this six month time. So we'll probably go on a holiday maybe once or twice. But um, at the moment, I'm just focusing on like working hard and getting these certificates which is hopefully can just get me something else i mean it's not i mean i, I do like just chilling out and traveling but uh, at the same time i should probably be trying to get into a better position so that's what i'm doing now yeah and when we spoke last time you said that in the future uh, you would like to potentially return to your home country iraq uh what would be the the situation for yourself in uh, where you would do that if, if you don't mind sharing yeah, yeah no of course i mean i am as I, told you, I, I got into law now so i will be at least uh, studying here for three years but you know if, if to, uh, to be a lawyer you have to study for five years here i bet the same everywhere but uh yeah i was had to study for uh, for at least two years here uh and after that i will see if i want to be a lawyer or not but uh as a result, I want to go back to my homeland and see how can I find my find my job there. Who can I? Who can I, how can I help my country in any way possible? That's the ideal uh, uh, thought in my mind. That's the ideal plan. But you know, you have to see what what's going on. The circumstances. If there if there is no job and there's unstable country as as it is today, I don't see myself go there. But um, I have the same play. I have the same thought in my mind as my parents. Like they say, at least get a degree in something, and after that, do whatever you want. You know. Yeah, it it does give you the the freedom when you when you get a degree. Like this is what my, my mum encouraged me to do. Like when I was going through my studies and working, I was like, oh, it's just bullshit. This like in my head, it's just bullshit. Like all the stuff I'm learning, it was a lot of theoretical business jargon and. Uh, it is beneficial, but it, I've learned out learned that it's beneficial just to get it done, and you know it does actually help me to have a degree. It means we are likely to get a job. That's just the way the world is. So, yeah, yeah I think. I think but but it's, it's almost. It's not the. It's not a must. You know, it's. I know a lot of people who made it without a degree in anything, but uh, me choosing law, I think it gives me a broad choices in the future. You know. I don't know how to say it. Like, uh, I can do, <laughs> I can do everything with working in a bureaucracy to working with, as a journalist, as working. I don't know. 
as a someone in, a, uh, in any business, you know. So it's given me a lot of uh, cho- choices in the future, and that's why I chose law because then if if I someday go back to Iraq, I can I have many many options to choose between. Mm-hmm. And so you said you've obviously got these options. Like, what is your preferred goal? You know, what what do you think that you want to be doing in the future? Do you have any idea? Well, it's definitely something in the politics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. You, 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 you remember we you talked a lot of politics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially me and Nicola when we sat at the restaurant. You, know, you remember that, right? So definitely something into the politics sphere. But, you know, when we talk about working in the bureaucracy and politics, it's you, you never, you can't never be sure. It's so, uh, you can never say, I have this plan, I have this plan, this is how I'm going forward. Nobody can do that because so... Nobody can tell what will happen. So you just have to go with the flow and see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Like, like the stuff I've just said is like I've laid out some plan for myself, but I also know that just things can happen that are outside of my control and you just have to like, okay, I'm dealing with this now. <laughs> right now I'm going to deal with this and then hopefully you get back on some sort of uh, track. But yeah, I think you're definitely right with that. It's You, you don't know. Uh, but yeah, you from our conversation when, when it was me, uh, yourself and from an outside perspective it's quite funny when we thought like a serbian guy an iraqi and a british yeah. <laughs> person sat at a restaurant talking but uh yeah you were definitely interested in politics but i think like the, the countries that you are you were from and uh, serbia it's for myself it's so different to the uk so it's quite interesting to uh, learn about them countries so i did appreciate the conversation it was uh it was interesting and you know yeah, you know a lot of things. Well. Yeah, I, I was almost—I'm going to say—I'm glad to hear because me and Nico, when I think about it the aftermath, I, we sat there for hours, and I was—I was just thinking, poor Edward, like, how does he feel? <laughs> but good to hear that you, yeah, you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, I do. People, you know, some things are like outside of my uh, scope of intelligence. You know, or, or just like I just like right, that's. That's too complicated. These people know more than me, so I'm just going to sit and listen. And it was like, no, this is interesting. And then maybe if, maybe like when, uh, did you say Nicholas was his name? Nicola. Nicola, sorry. Uh-huh. Sorry, Nicola. I, I, honestly, I was. <laughs> like Nicola Tesla. To, Nicola Tesla. There they go. That's how I should remember. Um, <laughs> I, he said something out like Serbians aren't, uh, or Serbs aren't fond of british people and that's when i was like oh <laughs> i was like hello i didn't well, want well, to be I like say, oh. i didn't i didn't quite catch up he, he said that like serbs are generally not fond of british people oh, oh, uh, oh. and that, that was because of the history of like nato and uh yeah that that reason i understand i, I can kind of understand i mean my background is like i don't really know that much about serbian history anyway and I, you know Maybe yeah, British people have done things to, I don't know. I just kind of go, you know what? It sounds very complicated, but on a on a one to one level, I'll be all right with you, and I hope that works out. <laughs> yeah, no, you know when we talk about like uh, the uh, when we talk about the Amer- uh, the USA, we talk about England. It's it's very important to not talk about the ordinary citizens because you have only this much you can do, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you're also to some degree a victim of your. Uh, governance or your systems you know so it's very mm-hmm. important to see that uh, a serb and an englishman ordinary uh, 
if you use the technical word, the proletariat, <laughs> Serb and proletariat, uh, Englishman, you're both working mm-hmm. men, right? You, you, mm-hmm. you work and you still get exploited and, and so on and so on. So it's important to make a difference between the system and the people because, you know, you're, you're a very nice man, you know, and I have nothing against you. Even though I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of Tony Blair, for example. <laughs> I don't yeah, blame yeah, that on you. <laughs> so, it's, so it's very important to have it. Uh, I'm not, I never like discriminate just because you're from England or you're from the mm-hmm. States. That's, that's very, uh, it's very, how I say it, like primitive. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's just stupid. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's just break down them barriers of like oh, this person is from that patch of dirt and this person's from that patch of dirt and you know it's got that's obviously got historical um i don't know the historical reasons of, you know if you're from england you're going to be culturally different than somebody from iraq obviously there's going to be differences but when you just think of it on like a base level it's like we're just humans interacting someone's from a different patch of dirt than you are that's yeah, not yeah. it yeah, <laughs> if you think about it like that, but obviously there's there's a lot more to it than, yeah, than yeah. that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we we have that in England though. Like people go, oh, they don't like people from this country, or they don't like people from that country, and it's like when you actually ask them why, it it seems to be just like repeated uh, conversations that they've had with people. Maybe the parents have said it, so they're just that you know that's the way they think, and they haven't really challenged that perspective. Or maybe they've had like one bad interaction with somebody, or maybe it's just hate inside of them. I don't, I don't really know why. But uh, I think if you try to be open-minded and actually speak to people from uh, different countries, you just realize how silly it is to have like a national pride and be like, yeah, this our country is better than your country. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just stupid. Um, but yeah, I mean, the I think I told you when we first spoke like the Iraq War in the in uh, the UK, it wasn't something that people genuinely wanted. Like, I think no. it was the the largest protest that we had in the UK was against the Iraq War. That's right. I think it was over millions million of people in London just against it. Now uh, Tony Blair at the time decided to go with uh, the Americans and think it was the right thing, and then. You know what's that led to now? Has it led to further problems? Uh, you know, uh, these other smaller terrorist groups that have uh, happened over the past ten years, like ISIS, have been funded from uh, you know the UK and the Americans. <laughs> so it's like it's, it's just it's just really messy. Like I know I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm talking about it now, but I have to be uh, careful because it's it's such like a a complex issue to say this happened when I could I could actually be wrong about something so no no it's you're completely right like it's like the it's this is uh, like split and conquer divide and conquer I think it's called the uh, term like you go there uh, you start to fund X group against Y group and even though the, the those these groups have lived uh, with together for many 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 years without problems mm-hmm. and that's how you and that's how you benefit you know you start yeah, the, the weapon industry gets uh, hella money in by selling weapons mm-hmm. to uh, everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, when they are fighting against each other, you can do your stuff, or take whatever you want, because they are fight. They are not caring about their national resources, you know. So they start mm-hmm. taking stuff from the country, and those uh, 
from the area just fight against each other because they think there's the problem and, and not seeing the bigger picture. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. this you're correct, right? Right. And I also heard about that uh, actually that the British people was very against the war, so mm-hmm. it's a very good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and even what I, from what my memory, I mean, this happened when I was was it two thousand and one the invasion of Iraq is that is that correct? Two thousand and yeah, around that year, two thousand three, two thousand two. Yeah. yeah, I was three, four years old, so you know, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't out at the picket line like <laughs> stop the war. I had no idea what was going on, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But then, as I as I got older, I remember I'd be watching like. Uh, TV programs. We had a guy called Ross Kemp, and he'd like go around with a camera, videoing the soldiers in Iraq. And then like, I think what we, what the U- UK tried to do was go for like the American approach. And the American approach is like, yeah, our soldiers, man, like they're out there and they, you know, they're fighting against evil. And they'd put them in like the newspaper. For example, if if a soldier died in America, they'd put them in the newspaper, and it'd be like oh look at this hero and like they tried to do that in the uk and we were all like why do why are we sending all (laughs) young people off to die this is just stupid like none of us agree with it so it had like the negative effect uh in the uk and i think maybe that's just cultural differences of america and the uk were not as okay we probably are people are very passionate about the uk maybe you could argue that's the reason for brexit um but I, I guess when it comes to like war, a lot of us are like, oh, that's just silly. Like, why are we getting involved with stupid shit like that? It's just yeah. unnecessary. Um, yeah, I did. I was going somewhere then, but I've, I've just completely lost where I was going. That's no, fine. <laughs> you know, I, 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 have to, I also have to be like uh, careful, maybe to say that. But uh, and as I told you, I don't like to generalize. I don't like to put any everyone under the same umbrella. But like, I think like uh, from. From what I've seen, heard, and talked to, I think like, for example, uh, Edward, it's from Britain's more, is more how to say, uh, it's more informed maybe than uh, mm-hmm. from a Jack from Mississippi, Mississippi <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't, like I don't blame the Americans. Oh, it's, of course, their system, you know, their school system is it's not the best and stuff like that. But I mean, that's why I think there's a difference between there's also many other factors. But I mean, you are informed because you're system right you are you are better schools mm-hmm. and stuff like that and maybe you know the americans not that lucky to have these great schools so i think that's yeah. a factor too yeah yeah i think i think you're right i mean there's there's differences in like the system obviously america america is purely capitalist that's the, the goal and in the uk we have a capital system but there's also good social benefits so obviously we've implemented socialism we've had different sort of like uh, labor and conservative different governments over time and for example places in like northern england people look out for each other and that's or even in england itself i don't want to just say people from north are nicer than people from the south that's just like a, a form of generalization anyway um but yeah like i think we just have a different approach to life we've got we're slowly becoming more like america which i hope doesn't happen no offense to uh, <laughs> my friend jacob who's an american but we you know we've got benefits that people can get and there still is like that drive for profit same in in western europe but there's more of like a 
okay, let's try and make everybody better. Like, let's, tr let's try and even if you're starting at the bottom, let's try and get them in a better situation. Whereas in America, it seems a bit more cutthroat. Like if you can't afford to go, I don't, I don't obviously I'm probably summarizing it, but it's like, if you can't afford to go to a nice school, then you're just on like the, the edge of society. And it's like, if one thing goes wrong, it seems like you can just get derailed from you, from your whole life, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I thought it was very interesting when you told me that, you know, that's why I love traveling and meeting new people because you learn so yeah. much. Uh, yeah. Uh, that you told me, I didn't know that, but you, uh, as you told me that, um, you know, in Manchester, or Liverpool, they have this more of this working class culture. You know, you're 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 in solidarity with each other. You know, you stand up for your neighbor. And uh, was it Liverpool or Manchester was against the Queen or something like that, or the Rangers <laughs> or something like that, yeah. or the manager, the manager of Rangers, something like that, right? Yeah. So Steven Gerrard is from Liverpool, and uh, I think like Liverpool has its own type of mentality in the UK where they they just identify as like they're from Liverpool, not from England. Like they're obviously they're obviously ge geographically from England, but like the whole identity there is it's a real working class area. And yeah, people look out for each other and if for example if you go to the museum in Liverpool you can just see they'll they'll, they'll show that it'll be in your face. Like they've got a high proportion of people in like trade unions and um, the majority of people in Liverpool will never vote conservative. Now it doesn't mean that's the right thing to do, but it's just, it's interesting to spot the difference between mm -hmm. different areas of the that's UK. Right. And it's also interesting because uh, I have to come to visit Liverpool and Manchester there definitely, because it was also that place when, of course, when Engels and Marx was writing the capital, you know, the big uh, mm -hmm. book. Uh, they were was they were like analyzing from factories from this area from Manchester and mm -hmm. Liverpool and I believe it's actually a statue of uh, Friedrich Engels in uh, either Liverpool or Manchester I don't quite remember but it, 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 he, uh, he have his statue there somewhere so it's definitely okay. an interesting place to visit yeah I mean feel free if you let me know when you come over I'm like based in the middle of both of them so I can I can obviously sort something out for you and then. Uh... I just with one of my friends, Maxime, who's been been on the podcast before. He came up because uh, he's from Ukraine, but he lives in Guildford, which is just uh, south of London, I think. And then he got a train up, and I just took him to like Manchester and Liverpool, and we just went to different places. Uh, so cool, yeah, feel cool. free in the future. Yeah, of course, just man. Let us know. Of course. Um, I, I had again. Oh yeah, so one book I would recommend to read. I'm not a big reader, but uh, <laughs> I do I do like sometimes specific books. Uh, so the town, the biggest town that's near me is called Wigan, and then there's a famous book called The Road to Wigan Pier by George Orwell, uh, and that documents what life was like in uh, Northern England in like the uh, 1914 to uh, maybe 1920. Maybe the time frame's a little bit wrong for myself, uh, but it talks about how people were being failed by the system. And they worked in real harsh conditions in factories. And maybe they lived in like a two bedroom uh, terraced house in Wigan, but there was like five people living in one room. Uh, they were majority was coal miners. And it just gives a good background into like what it was like back then, but also similarities to how it is now. It's obviously life has improved, but like culturally what he's talking about, you can still see that get represented. So he, he talks a lot about like the 
north south divide in the uk so people think that the further north you go the friendlier everybody gets because they're not as stuck up as people from london <laughs> that's just like the uh and this plays out in, in in the book a little bit where he talks about it but that's like a, obviously a form of nationalism realistically like being so proud of where you're from um well yeah he, he recommended like in implementing uh like socialism into the uk to help deal with the issues of automation and manufacturing so i'd, I'd recommend reading it even though i've just yeah. spoiled it no, <laughs> no i actually enjoyed the i mean one of the first books i ever read was actually in 1984 or orwell, from orwell you know and uh, yeah i enjoyed it even though in the left course you know in the politics left course you know <laughs> people are not that huge of a fan of orwell because he was like mm. more of a social democrat he was almost almost say he was was sometimes against the Soviet Union and so on and so on. But yeah, no, uh, as uh, as his book, I enjoyed 1984. You know, not everything has to be politicalized to the max. You know, <laughs> just yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just read. Yeah, of course, I I like I like this reading absolutely. But I was yeah. asking you, uh, you, you saw Bolton Bankrupt. Have you have seen these uh, videos, right, on YouTube? Of which or, video, sorry? Uh, from Bolton Bankrupt. Bald and bankrupt, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because he was uh, not that long ago. He was actually doing a road trip from the south to the north. Have you yeah, seen this yeah. video? <laughs> yeah, I saw that video. And yeah. he touched also. He uh, was also like saying the same as you are saying, like uh, the north are friendly and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you travel north and yeah, people are open and friendly. Yeah, so that's interesting that you also pointed out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in south of england so all i'm going from is other people's opinions to be honest and what i've heard uh but i will say like the where i live like the majority of people are friendly and approachable and then it just like, even further north you go uh you went once you get out of england into scotland it's just like people are even more friendlier <laughs> like uh there was when i did a hike last month um i was hiking across the coast Sorry, hiking across the UK, coast to coast. Um, uh, when I was doing it, you'd meet different people along the way. And then I'd be hiking with them for a little bit. Then I met this girl called Emily, who was doing the same as me. She was just taking a, a backpack and a tent and wild camping. Uh, we hiked together for a little bit. And we we got well, we got lost and just wanted to rest because we couldn't find any food because the pub was shut. And then as we were just like waiting outside at this small town, this Scottish guy just came out of the ha this house and was like, oh, are you all right? We were like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, are you lost or something? We were like, no, uh, it was just, just like wandering around within the coast coast. He's like, all right. He's like, do you need any food? We were like, uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> as long as they know. And then he, like, oh, he opened up his van and gave us like 20 quids worth, 20 pounds worth of food and was like, oh, if, if yeah, he was a social worker, I think like his job was to look after kids who were in critical situations. Uh, so this kid had to be, I don't know, moved out of the house and into a different accommodation. And he was just happened to be there, but he was like, he offered to give us a lift to the next town. He did offer to do all this. And it was like really friendly interaction. And yeah, yeah. I, I think that probably, yeah, it, there is some truth to it, but I don't know how you would even measure that. <laughs> I don't know how you would like write down, okay, on a scale of one to 10, 
like how yeah. happier or interactive are people in Northern England? I don't know how you would interact with it. It's just oh. like a social commentary. Uh, well, there, there you have it. I mean, that's the working class spirit, you know, <laughs> when you have this, when you're accustomed to that, uh, the side, like helping each other rather than this individualistic uh, approach, mm-hmm. as many, like, the, as the system uh, they have in the USA, when like everything individualistic, like you're your own, you're on your own, like, uh, if you are born poor, that well, that's bad for you. You have to just, uh, just make it out somehow. <laughs> but uh, you can definitely see it, like as you said, like, uh, this area was like in very industrial areas, right? There are a lot of working people and organizing mm-hmm. people, uh, labor unions, and so on. And uh, I think that's there. There is absolutely something in there, like uh, uh, how they act and their mentality. I mean, if you go to London and a financial area, nobody's going to do that to you <laughs> in a million, million years. I'm very sure about that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think definitely something with that to do. And just and lovely history, you know? It's just amazing to hear. Yeah, it, it's good. I mean, I, I think there's obviously there's benefits of like both. You know, sometimes it is good to be like... Uh, you know, you have to be an individual, but it's, I guess it's, my goal is like be an individual, but then you, you help other people along the way and, you know, you be a, a good person. But I feel like you can go uh, down the approach where you probably get very egotistical and just thinking yourself, yourself, yourself. And that's probably the, the flaw of, um, let's say, the capitalist system. I'm not going to say overthrow it or anything. It's just, yeah, maybe it's not, the good thing to have like these billionaires who control media that you use every day and collect <laughs> data about you. Maybe that's not the best thing for us to be doing. Um, I don't know though. So it's interesting. Like what was, what was it like in, for example, that the system is obviously much different in Iraq than it is in the U- UK and America, even though, America tried to, you know, give you some freedom, <laughs> as a, as he would say. What, what, freedom you know, what to was the, starve, yeah. freedom to die. You know, <laughs> what was the like, you know, political background? The I know you you're well educated on this stuff, so I would appreciate just you know, just feel free to stop me and ask. And uh, if I go over uh, over, uh, if I something's not that clear, just feel free to stop me and ask. But uh, yeah, uh, when we talk about Iraq. We can just go back to like First World War. We were under the Ottomans, and the British and the French they said, "Look, if you help us fight against them, the Turkish people, you will get independence." Right, right uh, after mm-hmm. First World War, and we did. We fought against the Ottomans, and uh, of course, the Ottomans uh, lost. But then uh, they betrayed us. You, you, I don't know. Have you heard of the Saïkas Picot? Um, no agreement. I haven't. No. Uh, like it was uh, done back to, uh, from locked doors. It was between France and Britain. It's basically about uh, dividing the Middle East between them two after the World War. So after World War One was done, they said, uh, "No, you ain't gonna get no freedom here." So they split. Mm-hmm. Like Syria went to Syria, Lebanon, and the Levantine. We call it like the northern part of Middle East that went to mm-hmm. Syria and Iraq. Uh, southern Iraq was now Kuwait and uh, F- Palestine. This went to the British. And uh, from World War II uh, up to tw- uh, 1920, around that area, uh, in Iraq we had revolt against the British. 
and they said, look, we don't, have, we don't want any more of this. So they went out, but of course, they never went out. What they did is uh, they installed a king. So that area, mm-hmm. uh, Syria, Iraq, they had, ki- uh, they had kings uh, basically from the same family who was always supported by the Western powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Iraq, we had the we had the kingdom family until 1958, 14 July 1958, when uh, we uh, it's very brutal, but uh, we killed the king uh, by a revolution. Mm-hmm. Is was a man named uh, uh, Oh my God, I just <laughs> forgot his name. What? Abdul Karim Qasim, of course, Abdul Karim Qasim. His name was uh, 14 July 1958. Yeah. And he established uh, the Republic of Iraq. That was the first time we like we got a real independence. Okay. And from 1958, take it all the way to the 70s, in the late 70s, before Saddam came to power, we had this called the Arab Socialist Time. Like there were uh, agrarian reforms. There were uh, many so- uh, they socialized some and then uh, the oil in that country too. Uh, you know that's, uh, that wasn't good news for the Western powers. Mm-hmm. So they got rid of that Arab social time uh, and Saddam came into the picture. Now, Saddam is an interesting character because in the beginning, when he came in 1978, 79, and then he came to power, he was definitely a CIA puppet. The first thing he he did was to go against uh, Iran because Iran had a a revolution. They overthrew the Shah, who was a Western-friendly king, and they had this Islamic revolution, right? That was very uh, bad news for the West. So when they had Saddam in power now, and you know, Iran and Iraq, it's, they border each other. I said, look, Saddam, you go and attack uh, Iran. And we, from 1980 to almost nine years, it was a brutal war. Many, many died from both sides. And uh, Saddam always, as I told you, he, gave, he got full support from France, especially. He, Iraq had, had, Iraq had like, two or three jet, jets fighter jets, mm-hmm. and France just supplied them with many, many fighter jets. So this uh, proof that uh, the West supported Saddam in that war, because obviously there was against Iran. Uh, and the war ended in 1988-89 with basically no, nothing gained, but just losses from both sides. It was a horrible war. After that, uh, uh, Saddam just... Uh, got in trouble again, this time with Kuwait. Uh, you know, the Kuwait war in the, in the early 1990s. And when the, they started to sanction Iraq, and because Saddam went into Kuwait, he took over Kuwait. Why he did that is because uh, of the oil that, that, you know, Iraq had much oil. And they mm-hmm. started to uh, produce something more oil, it was something like that. So Iraq can mm-hmm. get uh, so much value of its oil in the market. And uh, they also, Iraq was in debt after the war. They they didn't want to forgive the debt. Iraq was in mm-hmm. deep trouble, deep trouble. So that uh, made Saddam very furious. And he said to, to, uh, the, to the Americans and the British, you know, I don't care about you. I'm going into Kuwait. And mm-hmm. uh, and Kuwait, it's, Kuwait was like, when after the Second World War, uh, the First World War, when they divided the Middle East between Syria and Britain, you know, and that's something interesting that British and France always do. When they divide in Africa, they do that in the Middle East. When they divide, like they mm-hmm. draw areas by themselves, you know, and 
most mm -hmm. ideal for them what they do is like they make people who not got along so very well in the same border so you will have like never-ending conflict <laughs> so that's ideal for them <laughs> and in the in, when they when they sat down and draw how they will divide between them the area they, they somehow uh, like they somehow drew Kuwait and Kuwait became all of a sudden a country even though Kuwait uh -huh. uh, was never a country so in the after World War when they divided them Kuwait was an independent country and Saddam said no you know Kuwait is, has always been Iraqi so he <laughs> invaded Kuwait and that was uh, not the right and I am also against the invasion like Kuwait should not be invaded you know Kuwait people have a right to be independent mm -hmm. but uh, that's what he did he took uh, Iraq and that's what uh, that's when uh, the West started to go against Iraq and ever since from 1990 to the invasion 2003 you know it was two wars like in the 1990s and the uh, Gulf War when they uh, operation mm -hmm. sandstorm when they pushed back Iraq from the borders from Kuwait so okay. Kuwait gained independence again, and uh, in 2003, the official invasion when they overthrew Saddam Hussein. So that's mm, more okay. or less the general history of Iraq, you know. So you were in, when the invasion started, like I, I remember looking uh, on YouTube, you can see the footage, I mean it's called like, the news painted as like shock and awe, and it was once the the invasion started in, in Iraq. Was you central in that location? Obviously, I know we're of a similar sort of age range, but like, is there any, I hope you don't mind me asking, is there any memories you have of what once that started? No, I was, I am born in 2001. So when it started, I was very young. I, I don't remember mm -hmm. that much, but you know, I ask a lot. I ask my grandfather, uh, grandparents, I ask my mom, dad, uh, before the invasion started, like everyone in Iraq knew there will be an invasion. No, yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that, that sudden. Everyone knew it will come, but exactly when they were unsure. But uh, two days before the invasion, my grandpa uh, said to my mom, uh, my dad was in the military, so he, mm -hmm. didn't, he couldn't join us. But my grandpa, uh, my father of my mom, <laughs> grandparent, mm -hmm. grandpa, he said uh, to my mom, look, we are driving to the Iranian border to some small village because no, he knew uh, this uh, place was safe. My mm -hmm. grandpa was uh, politically active, so he knew places, he knew people, so he more or less saved us from this horrific bombing of uh, Baghdad. So actually, before, uh, before the invasion two days, me and my mom and sister, we went to a village in the east uh, where we, yeah, we more or less hide. After the invasion got, uh, after the, the, the bombing calmed down, we went back to Baghdad. And, uh, you know, I have, I have uh, like small... Uh, clips in my mind you can say like small mm -hmm. memories like sometimes uh I you know after the war as i told you after the war it was it was like many internal conflicts between many different groups americans and the locals the locals against the locals it was many it was chaos so i have mm -hmm. like uh, different uh, memories from uh, different uh, co conflicts between them for example one time i remember right in front of um, uh, the, our house we lived with my grandpa right in front of, the, of his house. Uh, uh, we saw two cars pull up. They were chasing another car. Two cars were chasing the third car. Uh, and that third car, he stopped right in front of the house. He jumped out. I remember so well because I was at the rooftop with my mom. We were hanging our clothes to dry. Mm -hmm. And remember, we saw a town. This one guy, he stopped and he just I jumped out of the car. It was like fucking GTA. <laughs> He stopped and he went out of the car and started run uh, down the street. 
mm-hmm. and before we knew it like there were three guys jumping out of the the other cars jumping out and they, were, uh, they had AKs I remember very well and it's a shoot and immediately my mom yelled at me and my sister that we had to get down and to the bathroom mm-hmm. because the bathroom had windows so she was afraid that some bullets would uh, hit a window and the glass will split on us so she mm-hmm. said to me and my sister we had to go down to the uh, bathroom because there were no uh, windows they can shoot and I understand uh, I remember standing there with my sister like pissing myself I was like <laughs> I was like five years old maybe six yeah. and you know uh, as I saw like when you're young these kind of things happen to you like you just you don't remember the whole picture but you remember small clips small uh, mm-hmm. uh, things happen there and there and you know uh, more of the basic stuff like you go around the streets you see military guys you see tanks you see uh, weapons so yeah that's uh, one episode I remember very well yeah. from that era, from that time. And, and when you go now, what's the the military presence like? Is is it still uh, obviously it's not as intense as it as it was back in in that time period? But is it still quite a a tense feeling when you go when you go back to Baghdad? Can you can you like see military? presence in places you know in the beginning i told you like uh, when it comes to you asked me how you see right now you know i said it's kind of different for me than you maybe for me now it's like very normal but if a foreign goes there is he may maybe get the feeling it's, it's intense because you see police with big mm-hmm. guns here you in europe majority of the people don't go around with guns maybe just a pistol you know so it mm-hmm. depends but no for me i mean it's as you said, it's definitely more calm. There is some checkpoints here and there, but it's definitely much more calmer. There are no much, mm-hmm. uh, that much uh, uh, suicide bombers as before. There's almost no more kidnapping. Thing had calmed down, but you know, there is still some checkpoints here and there, of course. And I only learned about this recently, but is there a country that wants to be independent and it's like a joint? joining turkey a bit of syria and iraq is it kurdistan is that's that right correct, is that? that's right yeah. so uh, the kurd people uh, they live in, uh, in the southern eastern part of turkey uh, mm-hmm. in north syria northeast and in north iraq uh, and a bit in iran too so this there's this people kurds they are not arabs they are kurds you know their own mm-hmm. thing and they, yeah, they want to establish their own country. I mean, in Iraq, they have, they have this semi-autonomy. In Iraq, I will argue that they have the most rights in Iraq. In Iraq, they have their own okay. flag. They have more or less their own police. They have autonomy, but they're still in, in with Iraq. Mm-hmm. But in Turkey and Syria, it's totally different. They're, the regimes in Turkey and Syria, they, they really beat down on these people. They don't let them have anything. But as to them gaining a country that will not happen because simply the fact that if in Iraq they will gain country they will gain a country then the Turkish Kurdish people and the Syrian Kurdish people they will have uh, demand the same thing and uh, mm-hmm. they will always not get it because their regime is very strict there so Syria and Iraq and Turkey is uh, basically holding that back and they'll tell the Iraqis like, look, you cannot give these people a uh, full country. That's that's not going to happen because then we will have problems in our country, you know. So that's the situation with the Kurds, yeah. And it, what's your what's your opinion? Do you think that will happen in the future? There, there'll be a potential Kurdistan uh, country, or do you think that maybe it, it won't? 
it won't happen. No, as I like, as I told, like that, that will that, that will that won't happen. Turkey and Syria will never let this project go through. Iraq, as I told, yeah, they have same autonomy, yeah, whatever. But uh, not to be not to sound so nationalistic or anything like that. Like I even I I, I consider myself some Kurdish too because my mother's side is Kurdish. So I yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but look for me it's. You know, as obviously I'm, uh, I am on the left side. I'm a socialist, whatever, whatever. So for me, I don't, I don't see borders. I don't see Kurds. I don't see Arabs. I don't see Englishmen. I don't see Italians. I see like working people. You know, and I think mm-hmm. we should all unite under the same struggle. That is because even though Kur- the Kurdish people get their own uh, country, what will happen then? They will still get exploited by their uh, elites. You know, the Kurdish mm-hmm. elites not better than the Arab elites, right? So I think rather than focusing on this nationalistic view that, no, I just want my country. I want my own country, my own people, this ethnic thinking. Rather than this thing, I should, they should rather unite together to to change the system in Iraq. It will mm-hmm. be much easier for them like to change the system in Iraq, change the system in Turkey, in Syria. And uh, work together, see each other as... Uh, working men then they see each other as the, him he's a Kurd, he's an Arab. We can't sit with each other. That's that's very uh, bad thinking and uh, if you ask me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, it, there's there's a few places like this in the world where there's still like contested borders. Obviously in Serbia there's Kosovo, which is a passionate subject <laughs> for uh, some Serbs. As as we saw the uh, banner which was like, what did they say? Serbia without Kosovo is not Serbia or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I remember you told me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and again, this goes back to, to what I told you, that there is someone definitely uh, benefiting from this divide, you know? They like mm-hmm. when the Kurds are uh, fighting against the Arabs to gain independence, you know? They like when, for example, uh, say, say Shia Muslims and Sunni Muslims are fighting each other, even though... They are both fucking Muslims, you know. Uh, yeah. They like they like uh, that there's someone in Balkans fighting. You know, they want independence, and they think I don't like you because you're a Serb, and vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. there's someone who's definitely benefiting benefiting from this, and uh, quite frankly, the the one who's fr- uh, benefiting from that is everyone but the people who are in these uh, areas in the globe. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I think it's just like, I don't know what it is that drives that, that sort of thinking where it's like the, the nationalistic perspective where it's like, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I'm probably very hypocritical because, you know, when it comes to football, I'm very supportive of like English football, you know. I, I don't, when I think of like the Queen, I think, oh, it's a lot of shit. But, you know, when the national anthem comes on, when I'm watching football, I'm like, God save, I'm just absolutely belling yeah. out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like there was a there's a movement to try get Scottish independence. Um, I'm not sure if you in if you're looking at that because it, it, that's obviously like a big political thing that's happening in the UK. Um, yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, the, they will have a referendum or something like that in the upcoming years. Yeah, well, they tried in 2014, and then it was like i think that well it was like 56 percent, or maybe i don't know how many voted they wanted to stay in the uk but then what happened was brexit showed scottish people that they all wanted to remain part of the eu but 
So actually, if you if you look at the the votes of uh, Brexit referendum, the whole of Scotland <laughs> voted to remain in the EU, and uh, I think that's led to a bigger push to like, okay, let's get out because we're just on a sinking ship being out of the EU. Yeah, in, the, in their opinion, and um, yeah, so potentially there's going to be another vote next year. I think I think that maybe that I think that they probably will vote to go into an independent and then get back into. Uh, the EU just because of the situation in the UK at the moment is just like fucking crazy. Yeah, it's horrible like, oh, right now. Yeah, uh, when I'm looking at uh, like obviously the prime the prime minister's changed or changing. Um, there's loads of issues with like uh, cost of living crisis, energy prices per year is potentially going to be like three and a half thousand pounds. Wow, which is just yeah, and the, that's per household. So. And at the same time, it's like these companies are reporting like record profits. Now, I think this did, the thing is, this did happen before Brexit, but, you know, you were part of the EU where you had that external regulation, which could potentially regulate these companies and, you know, help uh, to get, I don't know, more, more of a just service from them. Whereas I feel like now, because we've left, you've got the issue of like not being in the EU, but the the maybe the the companies can get away with more things because there's not as much regulation. I don't know. I don't no, you're definitely messy. you're definitely saying something like that. Uh, something there because you know the system is like the cooperatives and like the corporate system and uh, and those big businesses. You know they love this uh, kind of uh, this kind of uh, conflict. You know they like to blame to tell the working man like, look, <laughs> the reason you are in a bad situation is because the Latvian. Uh, people are coming yeah. to you're in this position yeah. because you know uh, the the European system you know you're in this position because this because that they never like tell like look I am your problem I am the one who's taking your uh, mm-hmm. st- uh, snatching your value out of your work and making your life uh, miserable while I am stacking with the money and live my my, my profits grows even greater with each year you know, so that's, and you see that, uh, you see that everywhere, you know, that's, they, they okay, with the inflation, they, they, when you listen to people, they talk about the inflation, you know, what's, uh, inflation is like raising the, the, raising the price, right, raising price mm-hmm. of uh, said stuff. And, you know, they blame ev- anything, everything. But the corporate profits, you see, you see the profits go through the roof, but they will point and see, look, this is the state, you know, the big bad state who has done this and that for the inflation when, when, when uh, never like uh, talk about the real issue that who is setting the prices, you know, who is the, mm-hmm. if anyone have been to a job before, you know, me and you, we have worked, we never set price when nothing to say <laughs> about how much I sell the bread I make in the bakery, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, I don't want to make this issue like very simplified. You know, there's of course the supply and demand and so on and so on. But I'm just pointing out that uh, these uh, profit-seeking individuals, they love this game. You know, blaming and everything but themselves. You know, mm-hmm. and they love when the people mm-hmm. go on with it. When the British people, yeah, the, yeah, fuck the Latvians, fuck the Polish people. We don't want that anymore. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I got shown a good video actually by a, a guy I met in. Prague, but he was from the UK too. And there was a video of a supporter of the Brexit movement, a big investor. He put loads of money 
into making sure that Brexit would happen through like advertising and you know just just helping that campaign move. And then he also put investments into shorting the market. So basically, what he did was to say like when on the day that the Brexit results get announced, that he expects the market to fall. So he ended up profiting from that decision. Obviously, he's funding the the movement to make people think a certain way. And, you know, it's like, obviously, we wish that everyone uh, could have the capacity to uh, critique the content that they're seeing. Uh, for example, there was like a controversial thing that happened in Brexit. There was Nigel Farage stood in front of a billboard and it was showing immigrants lining up and I think it said something like we're already full or something or like this is a disgrace and it was just like Jesus <laughs> can I like alright okay and then there was just like lies you know there was a bus that was drove around it said like we send 350 million pounds a week to the EU we could send this to NHS instead but it's like it's so basic you know I think that I think that the marketing actually was basic to you know some people don't have that education. It, like what as we said before about working class people, it's like there's not as much education in them areas where they might struggle to uh, have the, the critical mindset because of the the issues that they've had with education. So they're more likely to believe, yeah, you know what, we we do send that three hundred fifty million pound a week. But then you're not looking at like, okay, well, what benefits are you getting from that? What what's actually happening here? Like. Okay, you're sending 350 million pounds a week to the EU. Maybe if that's even correct, but you know what? What in return are you getting from that? It's like you could, you any individual in the UK could have resided in the whole of the EU. So in in 27 different countries, like if you wanted to go retire in any of them countries, you could just go and move the. But you're moaning because we spend that on the EU, you know, it's like, it's a trade off. And I, what I think that happened was there was investment into the, like the Brexit movement, but there was no, like no one really took it seriously. So there was no good counter argument. You know, it wasn't like you could see these benefits and it felt like everyone should just know about them, but not many people knew about them. Um, and uh, sorry to keep them just no, no. on, but the, just... a, a lot, when, when I speak to some people who shared that viewpoint, like the issue that they had, it it wasn't technically with Eastern Europeans, but it was people uh, coming from uh, like Asia or you know just different continents. And it's like, but then you vote in to leave the EU, which you know isn't part of Asia. So it's like, and then we have we've actually had an increase of uh, people moving to the UK since Brexit because. Yeah, the majority of people who are coming to work here from, uh, say, India or different, you know, different countries, they're still coming because they would have to go through that visa process anyway. Um, so my personal opinion is I, I don't think it's good at all. It's caused me loads of issues. Just to, to I've you know I'm classed as a third national now, trying to get a visa in the Czech Republic. So what should have easily been I just show my passport. And it's, you know, you kind of fast track through the system is now you've got to go through the whole bureaucratic process. And what I'm seeing online, it seems like people are regretting this decision because it was sold to them as 
you'll keep all the EU benefits, but we'll <laughs> leave leave the EU, which is just ridiculous when you think about it. So. You know, I it's funny you say that about this travel uh, stuff because yesterday when I was at work, I listened to different podcasts, and I was listening to a travel podcast, and there was, and then they started to talk about this uh, the system now with England, when <laughs> you're no mm-hmm. longer just come uh, some countries, you no longer just can stay where, how 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 long you want to whatever you want and so on and so on and you have to deal with the visas and stuff and i was thinking, damn mm-hmm. like i never th- i've thought of that like it's, it's not like before <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know as me personally i am against the eu like they are now talking in norway about they want to have a new debate even though in norway they have i think two times they said no there was a from uh, a people they asked the people and they said no referendum two referendums mm-hmm. and they both said no the eu yeah uh but when it comes to the British side, I think you have another story because you're so integrated the EU. So you're not that's mm-hmm. the same situation as because we've never been into the EU in Norway. As, as for you, it's like a whole other dis- discussion. And mm-hmm. uh, to be quite honest, like it's interesting to listen to you because back then when this happened, I wasn't like politically active or couldn't care less about what yeah. happened in the continent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm trying to catch up and see what's... Uh, What's what's going on and listen to the perspectives of yours because definitely interesting uh, stuff that it is because it's it is, it is like a easy uh, decision it's not it's not like a walk in the park it's a very huge decision to do that you know yeah yeah and I, my, my opinion is okay there's flaws in the eu system okay but i, f- I feel like it's better to work to you know make their that make that relationship work rather than just completely abandon it and that's what we've done in the UK. It's just been like, right, we're leaving. And then it was like the whole mentality of it was like people, if you, if you started to talk about Brexit like I'm doing now, you'd be called like a Ramona because, you know, you're talking about it and we should just get Brexit done. And you're like, well, you know, if you're talking about democracy, it's like you, you, you have the freedom to talk about political issues and, you know, digest what's going on. And I think it's a good thing to look at a decision and go, is this actually working out? <laughs> you know, it's like you're not gonna make a decision and then go, okay, this is going, this isn't going as good as I thought it was, but I'm just gonna continue doing it because of my pride. It's like your pride isn't gonna go that far when it comes to like bigger complex issues. Like I feel like that's probably the issue we've had is like we've we had this like pride of getting Brexit done, and then we've it's happened and it's been like oh shit, like what's actually going on here. It's not that beneficial as what we thought it out to be. But I I wasn't clued up about it in when the vote happened. I did, I did vote to remain. But all these benefits, like what I've figured out over the past year, like when I moved to the Czech Republic, I didn't know all this information until I'd made that decision to move. So I've been like, wow, I can't believe that we just threw this away and based on like your individual freedoms that people have in britain it's they have less rights than let's say so someone in like eastern europe on a, on a eu global perspective so then when you, when you start thinking about like that and you know the political history of eastern europe being controlled by the soviet union and these states that collapsed in like 1989 and to think of Britain and the history of Britain is like, okay, so there's countries that have only been independent from like Soviet control since 1989 that now have more rights in based on a global perspective and even on a European perspective, 
than the UK. Obviously, in the UK, we have got it good, but I'm just saying, on, if you're looking at the perspective of like the European and individual freedoms, it's now been reduced to less than people who've had difficult historical um, political backgrounds, which I find quite interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, but I think it's, it's, it's like, it's kind of uh, bad from the EU side that it should be like that. I mean, sure, even though like you left the EU, you, you, you couldn't get the benefits you got from uh, earlier times when you were in the EU, but like to punish someone so hard, it's like almost getting, it almost looks like a, a mafia, you know, a mafia organization. Like you go out, you will, you will get punished for that, you know? And, yeah, uh, I get what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carry uh, on, sorry. Carry on, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was just agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. And uh, I got this term actually from the Greek uh, finance minister back in 2015, Yanis Varoufakis. He said that mm-hmm. the, the EU almost worked like a mafia. You know, they, they, they definitely is an inner club and you have to, and you know, the, the big players, Germany and uh, France, and I don't, I don't have, like I said to you, there's uh, many problems from my side with the EU. And uh, I think also like punishing someone so hard, especially the ordinary citizens of Britain, so hard for leaving the EU, I think, if you ask me, it's kind of it's kind of bad, it's kind of sad, but you know, I don't, I don't live in Britain, so I don't, I don't know, feel, <laughs> feel those uh, yeah. quote-unquote punishments. Like yeah, sounds like a me problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I get your point. Like, you know, it, it can come across as like, well, if you're not going to play with us, then yeah, you know, go play by yourself. Yeah, it's like that. But I, I, I get it at the same time. You know, it's like, well, that's the idea of the the you know the European project was to keep keep everyone integrated with each other and to back away from that. Like, well, I think, you know, there's also the perspective of, like, what the UK was demanding from the EU. It's like, they're going to be like, what, you want to not be a EU country, but you want all the same rights <laughs> as an EU citizen? It's like, well, of course, I kind of go, well, of course, like, you're not going to get the same treatment. Okay, you've been there for, for years and you've played part of the game. And we have got different rights compared to other third nationals, but it's still like, well, you voted to leave. This is what you get from leaving. Like this, this is what it means. So, I, I don't know. I think that potentially with what's going to happen with like the Scottish independence vote, it it could be the case that I don't know. Maybe maybe people have another vote of saying like, should we rejoin? I don't know if that if that does become an option, then that would be nice. But I think you know, there's also like a a time period of maybe like five, ten years after Brexit, like what's going to happen? You know, like what, what situation are we going to be? Yeah, no. Uh, as, as I told you, but but I, I was thinking about uh, something when we talk about Scotland. Do you think that uh, Northern Ireland will get independence with this with their new uh, party, the Shane party? I think they called Sinn Fein. Sinn Fein. Um, so I had uh, my my old mentor at work was from Northern Ireland and obviously there's it, I, Northern Ireland is an interesting country it's probably actually it's the first place that I traveled to by myself and I did a a tour of uh, just 
like the, the IRA history and you know, I learned more about the the religious background and the political background. And you know, in, in Northern Ireland there's there's still a wall that separates uh, Protestants and Catholics. And you know, the, you can go and walk down the road, there's uh, murals of each side, you know, uh, people who support the UK and people who support uh, pro Ireland. Now, at the moment, for the first time, it's uh, majority is Catholic, which is shit, obviously the party that puts in Fein, but the religious part is separate from the political party. But if you're Catholic, it's likely you're going to vote Sinn Fein. I think that's correct. And yeah, I mean, well, I think there's some issue going on at the moment where, so the only land border that the UK has with the EU is Northern Ireland. And in, it was either the 90s or late 80s, there was a peace agreement that was made, which obviously created peace in Northern Ireland because there was terrorist attacks from the IRA. And this allows people to travel freely between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Um, but I, I, I think that it will become a united Ireland. And, you know, it, it's not up to me who thinks. I just think that, over time, that's potentially what's going to happen. It, you know, it's one island itself, and I, th I think that the way it's going, if, if Scotland votes to leave, I think it'll be like a, you know, maybe a domino effect of like oh, Scotland's going, maybe Northern Ireland go. Well, hang, hang on a minute, should we reconsider that agreement? Um, and you know, I think if you're the benefit they've got of being Northern Irish is that they can have a UK passport and an Irish passport. That's part of the agreement, uh, but maybe. Like it did restart them political conversations again once uh, Brexit happened. So it could be the case that in the near future that that's what happens. Like maybe Northern Ireland joins the Republic of Ireland, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, that's definitely interesting to, to hear about this because you don't hear about this so much in the news here about uh, mm -hmm. what's going on in Northern Ireland and England, the main uh, the, the island. It's definitely interesting to hear it's from someone from that area. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's there's obviously there's a the history of like the IRA and um, di just you know there's different histories in different parts of the UK. For example, Scottish people aren't that fond of English people. You know, there's history there. I don't know that much about it. Um, I just know it exists, and obviously Ireland there's there's issues like the potato famine. And that created tensions between uh, the UK and Ireland. And you know, I, 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 it sounds like it was a terrible thing. I think that I can agree that it was. Uh, just from what I've heard about it, it, it sounded terrible. And people do mention it when you go to Ireland, like or if you speak to an Irish person. Um, but you know, it, it it's if the if the people want to, if the Northern Irish people want to uh, unite, then yeah, you know, you can't deny that freedom it's it's quite i feel like the, the problem that uh, the government in the uk are probably gonna have to face is that if scottish people have this referendum and then they deny it and say oh no we don't recognize it it's like well hang on a minute you've recognized this vote for uh, the brexit referendum why won't you recognize our vote so I, I i potentially think that yeah scotland will leave the uk and i think northern uh ireland North Island, Northern Ireland should would leave too because I just think I think that's what's happened over the past few years. It's restarted them conversations, and it could be leading to that way. 
maybe they have the vote and people want to stay. If that's the case, then they'll stay. But I think that there's a bigger momentum for that independence movement at the moment. Yeah, especially with, uh, as you as we said, what's going on in, the, in London? You know, with the strikes and the, uh, horrific price rising and all that sh- all that shit. But you know, I was going to ask you as a you know, as we have said multiple times now, we don't like to generalize, we don't like to do this and that. But, you know, you as a British man, um, how should I frame this? Where, where where do you think, or where, where do you, in your opinion, like, where do you feel less welcomed? I mean, where do the people have the, uh, like, they judge you because you're a British man? Is it like in Wales, Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland, Ireland? Where do you think, or from this place, where do you think, like, <laughs> you're least welcomed or... How should, that's a very very bad framing, but you know what I'm getting to. I get what you mean, yeah. So um, I went to, so when I went to Belfast, I had a bit pretty intense interaction with uh, a guy from Dublin. Now, he was not happy because I was English, but then once I started talking to him, I said where I was from, I was saying I'm from Wigan. And he was like, he loved um, like rave music and Wigan has a history of like, there was a club called Wigan Pier, so he knew that music. So then he was like, oh, no way, and we started talking. And uh, he was actually, he was less hostile to me. He still had a few, yeah, he still had a few words to throw at me and give me shit, but I was like, listen, mate, I was like, it's not my, it's not my problem. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't cause a potato famine. I understand you're pissed off, but like, I'm just chatting to you right now. It's not, you know, I, I'm trying to be civil with you. Um, So I, I, I'd say, Ireland because it's just you know they've got the independence they're they're happy about it and there's just there's I think there's probably more I don't want to say more history but it's just it's known I'd say a lot of people talk about like Irish people not liking British uh, people from England but it's like you'd say I'm British but you know you would call a Scottish person Scottish but they're actually British but maybe they wouldn't want to be called uh British <laughs> but then that's where the the conversations come in it's like do you identify as Scot- purely Scottish or do you identify as like British so that's that's where the, the conversations come from mm-hmm. and may I ask you about uh, how, what's, what's the situation between you and Wales how, how's the how, how, what's the demographic of how is it Welsh someone from Welsh Welsh yeah yeah what's the situation between you two are they calm or yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just kind of like they're just there, really. Yeah. It's like the, the. So I think that there was uh, maybe in the nineties or two thousands, there was a movement to get each independent country uh, their own parliament. So like the Welsh government has their own government, uh, the Scottish, but they have. Well, we still go through like the House of Parliament, the UK government, and Northern Ireland and Scotland, they have their own government and they you know it gives them more independence and power rather than feeling like they're being controlled from london um yeah i I guess maybe welsh people have an issue maybe they don't i mean i've not there's not really been a huge push for that independence i know there's there's historical things for example like in wales a lot of the industry was uh coal mining or mining towns and that with margaret thatcher she cut them off and i think the way it worked was like rather than uh using the mines that we have in england it's going to be like importing it for cheaper i think that's what happened and then that led to 
people losing their jobs in Wales, mm-hmm. Northern England, if, different places, or maybe that created tension between some people in Wales and uh, the UK government. But there isn't as much of a movement as there is like in Scotland to get independence or Northern Ireland. Um, the, the Welsh, I don't know, we say they're just there. along with each other. <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, I don't want to I don't want to shit on the history of the Welsh. It's actually a, it's actually like a, a a great country to go to. Like the the Nas- Snowdon National Park's brilliant. Um, like what's interesting about Wales as well is like they've got uh, like when you're driving through, they've got their own language as well. So it's like the majority speak English, but they've still got the Welsh language. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's Gaelic. I'm not sure what what it is. Uh, now people do speak it. Uh, but it's just it's very difficult to uh, speak it because the, the language is, is very different. But yeah, I, I think it's a, an interesting place. I just I don't know what's going to happen. I, I I had this conversation with uh, my girlfriend the other day where it's like, you know, is it going to be like Scotland gets independence and then Ireland joins with Northern Ireland and is it just going to be England and Wales chilling together, <laughs> like, or is it going to be like Wales become independent? You know, like what what's going to happen? Uh, I guess uh, we'll we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. I'd say we've been chatting, we've been chatting for a good while, though. It's been uh, yeah, been it good was, to speak to you again. Yeah, yeah. It's almost almost good to speak to Edward, man. That's yeah. it's uh, you know first time we went through like we get along so good. Like mm-hmm. you're you're definitely informed and it's very interesting. As I as I told you, like I'm very interested in you know different kind of people like from England from. Uh, to, to like speak about their experience, you know, about their area mm-hmm. and so on, so on. So yeah, it's definitely interesting, and uh, we should definitely, uh, we should definitely. St- I mean, if not doing a podcast episode, I mean, still talk. That's <laughs> it's totally fine with me. You know what? Yeah, well, My English is so shit because you know I'm here. No, I never use English. I just listen and just write. You know, I never <laughs> talk. So it's kind of like uh, different to difficult to talk when you're not you're not speaking English for so long. You know. Mm-hmm. It's not. Sh- I don't think it's shit. I know we're having a good conversation. You'll be able to understand it. And it's like, you know, we're talking about like deep issues, you know, like politics and whatever and stuff. So yeah, it, you're clearly keeping up with the conversation. So I won't say it's shit. Um, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not marking you on your English. <laughs> we're just doing, just doing a podcast. That's that's my like uh, my English teacher uh, coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man. So yeah, if you, I mean. I'll obviously chat to you on Instagram and whatever, but uh, what you know, what's what's the plans for yourself now? You know, for the weekend, what are you going to get up to? You know, I'm actually just having quite a long weekend just today, just free today, and I will start working in tomorrow actually. And uh, Thursday next week will be my last day, and after that, I will start packing to get ready to move to as I said as I told you to Eastern Norway, settle in there. Get myself ready to uh, to the semester. It starts fifteen uh, August of August, but uh, you know uh, the first week, fifteen is on a Monday, so the whole first week in school is like just uh, uh, you know get to know each other. It's nothing serious. And the week after that, that's when the real shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, uh, did you enjoy coming on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely, man. It? It's, it's, it was very good. Good to talk to you and see you again. It's very nice. Good stuff, man. Right. Um, well, I'll leave it at that. Um, do you want me to send you like? So what I do is I put it on 
Spotify and YouTube. Once I've got it on there, do you want me to just send you the link? Oh yeah, sure, sure. I do. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was, uh, I was, I, I don't know what I didn't send you. There's quite a message. I was uh, looking for the podcast. You know, I was searching like mm-hmm. on your name on uh, Spotify AdWord, yeah. and I just mm-hmm. scroll, scroll, but I couldn't find anything. So if you could send me like the link or the name of the podcast, yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. Yeah, no problem. Well, it's it's just called it's called the Sober Podcast. But to be honest, like I started it because obviously I don't drink, and then I was talking about like, oh, you know, this is I don't drink or I don't do that. But then you know, you're quite constrained, <laughs> you're quite constrained with how much stuff you can talk about. To be honest with that, so what I've decided to do is just have it as like a a podcast where I just when I meet people, if you know, if, if they're interesting or if I just want to talk to them, I say, oh, you're up for doing a podcast, and then it just it's a nice way to keep in touch with people who are me and also just like document, the, you know, this person and then share that with, with, mm. with people. So it's cool. So yeah, it's cool, it's cool. thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. No problem, buddy. Right. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you soon. Enjoy your weekend. See Thank you later. You. Thank you. You too. Bye.